You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, December 6th, and I'm here for the next 20 minutes or so to recap yesterday's Ohio State-Michigan State game in East Lansing. But before we get started, I want to remind our listeners about our new website, which you can visit at southstandsosu.com. You can listen to all of our podcast episodes there and check out our new blog, I'd also like to invite our listeners to head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review us. We'd greatly appreciate your feedback there. Finally, we invite you to give us a follow on Twitter at South underscore stands. That's South underscore stands. So yesterday in East Lansing, 75 minutes before kickoff, we learned that Ohio State would be without 17 scholarship players against the Spartans and several key members of the coaching staff, which included starting center and co-captain Josh Myers, starting left tackle Thayer Mumford, starting right tackle Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, reserve offensive tackle Paris Johnson Jr., safety Josh Proctor, who many believed, myself included, would have been the starter at free safety yesterday, starting middle linebacker and co-captain Tuff Borland, and defensive end Tyler Friday, who, as we all know, is a very important cog in the defensive end rotation. And we also learned, in addition to head coach Ryan Day, the Buckeyes would also be without quarterbacks coach Corey Dennis, co-defensive coordinator Greg Madison, as well as safeties and special teams coach Matt Barnes. So at that point, 75 minutes before kickoff, I was freaking out, quite frankly. I was convinced Ohio State was in for, for a a survive and advance kind of a game. The kind of a game that we typically expect in East Lansing against Michigan State. These games aren't typically very pretty when the games are played there. I was just hoping the Buckeyes would find a way to scratch out a win and just get the hell out of Dodge. So the adjustments they made on the offensive line was to move reserves Dewan Jones and Max Ray into the starting left and right tackle spots. Harry Miller was moved from left guard to center and Matthew Jones took Miller's place at left guard. Wyatt Davis remained the starter at right guard, of course. Now, on defense, Baron Browning moved into the middle linebacker spot for Tough Borland. Browning was replaced by Justin Hilliard at the SAM. And of course, Pete Warner was healthy, so he held down the, the weak side linebacker spot. Redshirt freshman Ronnie Hickman took the bullet SAM and second safety responsibilities that Proctor has been playing most of the season. And I thought Hickman flashed more about Hickman in a moment. So the end result of all those personnel changes, a 52 to 12 Ohio State laugher over the Spartans. Now, aside from the issues Harry Miller had snapping the ball to Justin Fields in the first quarter out of the shotgun, most fans would not have been able to tell the Buckeyes were so shorthanded yesterday. The game was never in doubt. Justin Fields accounted for 304 yards of total offense and four touchdowns, two through the air and two on the ground. Fields' 104 yards rushing were a career high. Receiver Chris Olave was great again yesterday. He finished with 10 receptions for 139 yards and a touchdown. Garrett Wilson caught three balls for 59 yards and a touchdown out of the slot. Running back Trey Sermon had by far his best day as a Buckeye, finishing with 112 yards on 10 carries. Now that included a 64-yard touchdown run in the third quarter. That was the longest run of Sermon's career, so a really nice moment for Sermon. And for the second game in a row, the Buckeyes went over 300 yards on the ground. Hey, that's not bad for a team that wasn't supposed to be any good at running the ball this season. 
On defense, the Buckeyes were led once again by defensive tackle Haskell Garrett, who's having an amazing season. Now, Garrett caught his own deflection of a Rocky Lombardi pass in the end zone for a pick six in the second quarter. That was Ohio State's third defensive touchdown of the season. Sean Wade also made a gorgeous diving interception of an errant Peyton Thorne pass in the third quarter. On the day, the Buckeyes held, let's face it, a pretty hapless Michigan State offense to 261 total yards. They forced four Michigan State turnovers, turned in three sacks, and six tackles for loss. Associate head coach and defensive line coach Larry Johnson, who was elevated to head coach for this game, got a Gatorade bath late in the fourth quarter. Johnson did a fantastic job filling in for Ryan Day as head coach. That was a really nice moment for for him. So look, I said on Thursday in our preview pod that it was hard to get a beat on this Michigan State team. I was having a tough time reconciling Michigan State's win over a top 10 Northwestern team just a week ago and their 49-7 loss to Iowa earlier this season. And with Ohio State coming into this game so shorthanded and lingering questions about the back end of that defense, I really thought this game had all the trappings of, again, a survive and advance type of performance. And I don't want to take anything away from the way the Buckeyes played yesterday. They they were fantastic, especially under the circumstances. But Michigan State just looked awful to me in a lot of areas. I mean, it is really hard to believe that this team beat Northwestern and then beat Michigan earlier this year. I mean, how the hell did Northwestern lose to this team? <laughs> By the way, I give full credit to Paige and Chad, who had this game pegged as an Ohio State blowout from the jump in our preview pod on Thursday They were actually both very close in their score predictions to the final score. Page had the final score, Ohio State 47 to 9. Chad had it, Ohio State 59 to 13. So kudos to both of those guys for having this game pegged as a blowout correctly. I was way off. I thought this was going to be a a much closer game. So I have two really big takeaways from what I saw out of Ohio State. Actually, three, three really big takeaways. First, I give a ton of credit to the players and the coaching staff for staying focused after the Illinois game was canceled a week ago Friday. If you think about that, that game was canceled about 12 hours before it was supposed to be played. And then there was a good 72 hours in the aftermath of the cancellation where there was a great deal of uncertainty as to whether the Michigan State game would be played. That has to be really, really difficult for a young player. And I think we forget these are 18 to 21-year-old kids. You put in a full week's worth of preparation for Illinois. And fans, I, we probably have no idea just how much time and preparation goes into each and every one of these games. These are major productions, both you know on the part of the coaching staff and players in terms of preparation, getting ready, mentally prepared, everything you need to do to get ready to play a football game at this level. To have the Illinois game canceled 12 hours before it was supposed to be played, and then have to sit there for two, three days afterwards, wondering, wondering if you're going to have an opportunity to play against Michigan State the following Saturday. Then to come into the game, knowing you're going to be so shorthanded, Ohio State down 17 scholarship players. All the players that I just mentioned, very important players, have the offensive line totally gutted, several key defensive starters missing. I mean, the Buckeyes had every reason, every excuse to play poorly yesterday, and they didn't. They they turned in their best performance of the season. I don't care who the opponent is. Look, I I think most fans would agree Michigan State is not very good, but they did just beat a top 10 Northwestern team a week ago. They're coming into this game with a lot of confidence. And for Ohio State to turn in their best performance of the season, I give them a ton of credit. My one big takeaway on the offensive side of the ball was 
just how lethal the Ohio State offense is when Justin Fields runs the football. Now, I've been saying all season, actually since the the preseason, before the season began, protect Fields at all costs. Only use him as a runner when it's absolutely necessary. Well, now we're at the point where every game is an elimination game as far as Ohio State's title hopes are concerned. The bubble wrap came off of Justin Fields two weeks ago against Indiana. He made some huge plays with his legs in that game, and he was devastating as a runner again yesterday against Sparty. In his last two games, Fields has 28 carries for 182 yards and three rushing touchdowns. Now that includes 39 yards taken off his rushing total because of sack yardage. If you take away the sack yardage, if you look at Fields' net rushing total over the last two games, that's 221 yards rushing and just over eight yards a carry. Fields is a little lighter this season. We know he's on this vegan diet. He looks faster and more explosive to me as a runner. How about him catching up with Trey Sermon on that 64-yard touchdown run to get a little chip on the Michigan State defensive back at the end as, as Sermon was crossing the goal line? I think Justin Fields as a runner, it adds a whole new dimension to this offense that we hadn't really, but maybe we forgot about because of the Fields injury toward the end of last year. I mean, just imagine if they had Justin, this version of Justin Fields in the Fiesta Bowl last year against Clemson, they would have scored on every red zone trip. Would have been a very different outcome. I don't want to relitigate that. But I think that this gives opposing defenses even more to worry about as we move forward, as Ohio State makes its way toward the playoff. Justin Fields as a runner yesterday, absolute game changer, especially when you look at some of those those plays where he had to field a poor snap from Harry Miller and Fields just turned what would have been for any other quarterback, a five or six yard loss into a 15, 20 yard gain. He is an incredible weapon as a runner and he brings a scary dimension to the Ohio State offense. Now, defensively, I think we can all agree the biggest remaining question for this team is is still the back end of the defense. They have to find a better combination of personnel and scheme back there if they want to have any hopes of winning a championship. This is in my opinion. Now, I was really impressed by the play of Ronnie Hickman at the bullet Sam slash second safety spot yesterday. Hickman played that role in place of Josh Proctor. Now, if and when Proctor is able to return over these next couple of weeks, we don't know if Proctor was a contact tracing absence from yesterday's game or if he actually was infected. So it's hard to know exactly how long he'll be out. But if we do see him back, we do get him back within the next couple of weeks, I have a feeling we're going to see Proctor as the starting free safety. And Ronnie Hickman is going to fill that role of the bullet, Sam, and second safety. And I think that's a very nice combination there. I thought Hickman flashed yesterday. He plays with some physicality and attitude that has really been missing from that secondary up to now. Now, by the way, Marcus Hooker played better yesterday as he had to remain the starter at free safety because Proctor was out. He had a couple of nice eraser plays, Hooker did, a tackle that prevented a conversion on third and 15 for Michigan State in the first quarter. Sparty caught Ohio State napping on a draw play with Elijah Collins, and it looked like Collins was going to they're going to get the first down, but Hooker dropped him a couple yards short of the marker to force a punt. That was a really nice play by Hooker. That was the kind of play we had kind of taken for granted with Jordan Fuller over the last three seasons, right? So it was really nice to see Hooker step up and make that kind of a play for Ohio State. Hooker also had a really nice pass breakup in the end zone in the fourth quarter that ultimately forced Sparty to settle for a field goal. So that was nice to see Hooker play better. 
I still think Proctor has to be the guy at free safety. I just think he's a more explosive player. He's a better athlete than than Hooker. But hey, if Hooker can give them some quality snaps at that position, if there's going to be a rotation there, that was encouraging to see. I do really hope we get to see Proctor as the starting free safety. What a frustrating season this has been for him. I mean, he was he appeared to be on the verge of taking the starting free safety job back from Hooker, and then he gets COVID, or at least that's the assumption here, because Ohio State didn't didn't say exactly why Proctor was going to be out. They they never do. I really hope he gets that opportunity to be the starting free safety. And then I I think Ronnie Hickman is your guy at the Bullet Sam second safety spot. I think Ohio State found something. So that was my big takeaway on the defensive side of the ball yesterday, that Ohio State appears to have found a solution at that Bullet Sam second safety spot, which would allow Josh Proctor then to move into the free safety role as the starter. Unfortunately, Marcus Williamson continues to be a a weak link in that secondary at slot corner, and I don't know what the answer is there. Williamson was torched for a 55-yard completion that led to Sparty's only touchdown in the game. Now, he was targeted seven times for seven completions for a total of 85 yards. This is per pro football focus. That was the most by any Ohio State player in the secondary yesterday. Again, I don't know what the answer is there, but Williamson looks... To me, he looks too small and not physical enough to play the position or athletic enough. Opposing quarterbacks continue to victimize him. So what does yesterday's performance mean for Ohio State's playoff positioning in Tuesday's rankings? I think yesterday was a really good day for Ohio State in that regard on several fronts. First, the way they performed against Michigan State. You win by 40, down 17 scholarship players with a patchwork offensive line without your head coach. I think the playoff committee is going to look at that performance and feel really good about keeping Ohio State at that fourth spot. I think the playoff committee also saw Indiana without Michael Penix Jr. go on the road as a two-touchdown underdog and beat number 16-rated Wisconsin 14-6. to That only further strengthens Ohio State's win over Indiana. That really makes that win that look look all the more impressive in the eyes of the committee. So that was another positive result for Ohio State's playoff hopes. Finally, I thought Texas A&M, now they're sitting there at number five in the playoff rankings right behind Ohio State at the moment. They go on the road. They beat an unranked Auburn team 31 to 20 now. Texas A&M had to come back in that game. They were trailing in the fourth quarter. They scored 17 unanswered to win 31 to 20. But, you know, they didn't look bad, but I don't think they looked overly impressive. I think if the committee really, really believed in Texas A&M over Ohio State, they would have taken the opportunity to elevate them over the Buckeyes in this past week's rankings when Ohio State did not play at Illinois and Texas A&M beat LSU. I think there was an opportunity there for the committee to leapfrog to move Texas A&M past Ohio State into that four spot. They didn't do it then. I I don't expect them to do it this week at all. They have even less of a justification to do it now with Ohio State playing so well at Michigan State and with Indiana looking very good and very impressive on the road at Wisconsin and having Ohio State having that head-to-head win over Indiana. I thought all three of those results will mean Ohio State will only further strengthen its grip on the fourth spot in the rankings this Tuesday when those new rankings come out. So then the next big question is, will the Michigan game happen? And at this point, I don't think anybody has any idea. There hasn't been a lot of news that I'm aware of. Now, I haven't checked Twitter for the last 45 minutes, so maybe there's a development there. 
But the last update I had was a piece from the Detroit Free Press about the outbreak at Michigan. They had double-digit infections, I believe that article said, and it, and it stemmed from some Thanksgiving get-together. Some players had gotten together with family, and a lot of the contact tracing went back to those, those gatherings. And at that point, I think this piece came out on Thursday, the piece in the Detroit Free Press. Sorry, maybe it was Friday. Michigan was not very optimistic about the game with Ohio State happening. I think the Big Ten has to be ready to make a quick decision here sometime within the next 24 to 48 hours. If the Ohio State-Michigan game cannot happen as scheduled, what will the Big Ten do? Will they find another opponent for Ohio State on Saturday? Or will they change the six-game requirement for eligibility to play in the Big Ten title game so Ohio State can square off with Northwestern on December 19th for the Big Ten title? I'm not sure what's going to happen. I think Folks are kind of split on which way the Big Ten will lean. I think everybody's in agreement. It would be a disaster for them to let Indiana play Northwestern in the Big Ten title game. In other words, to stick by their six-game requirement. I don't think anybody wants to see that game. I don't think anybody believes Indiana deserves to be in that game. Now, they've had a great season. They played well. They they were played admirably yesterday at Wisconsin without Michael Penix Jr., but they had their shot to beat Ohio State on the field and earn the right to to get to the Big Ten title game. And they didn't get it done. Ohio State won that game. And they have a two-game lead over Indiana in the division. Everybody else in the division has been mathematically eliminated. I think most people would agree it makes no sense to send Indiana to Indianapolis to play Northwestern for the Big Ten title. So Ohio State has to be the team that represents the East in that game. I think we would all agree on that. For optics, they're more deserving, all that stuff. So then what's the Big Ten going to do to help them get there? Are they going to change the six-game requirement? Or are they going to find another opponent for Ohio State to play on Saturday if Michigan can't go? Just kind of looking at the schedule here, a lot of folks are pointing at the potential of the Big Ten's telling Rutgers and Maryland, hey, look, Rutgers, you've been able to play all your games so far. You've not had a covid cancellation yet. You played seven games up to now. You're two and five. It's been a nice effort, but we're going to have Maryland play Ohio State in the season finale. That was a game that was supposed to have happened earlier in the year and was canceled because of a COVID outbreak at Maryland. That's one route the Big Ten could go. Another route is Minnesota is still dealing with a COVID outbreak within its program and its game Scheduled for Saturday against Nebraska is in doubt. Would the Big Ten rematch Ohio State in Nebraska? That game would probably be played in Lincoln. I don't know that does anybody want to see Ohio State-Nebraska play again. Or, of course, the Big Ten could modify its rule and send Ohio State to the Big Ten title game, having played only five regular season games. I'm inclined to think the Big Ten is going to make every effort to try and find Ohio State another opponent to play on Saturday. And short of finding another opponent for Ohio State, then I think they'll look to modify the rule. That's my best guess. And what I would like to see if Michigan, Ohio State cannot be played, I would like to see Ohio State matched up with Maryland in the season finale. I think that could be a really fun game with Tonga Bailoa and going up against that Ohio State secondary. I would much prefer to see that game than a rematch with Nebraska. So we'll find out what'll happen there. I think we'll know in the next 24 to 48 hours. All right, folks, that's going to do it for me. Thanks so much for listening. 
I'm going to assume at this point that Ohio State is going to play a football game. We don't know against two, but they are going to play a football game on Saturday. So in that case, expect another preview pod from us on Thursday afternoon. That'll go up Thursday evening Pacific time. And until then, thanks so much for listening and have a great Sunday. You've been listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.